Thank you so much for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. I'm Jamar Andrews. I'm the lead pastor, and I get the great privilege of shepherding here. I'm excited that you're joining us today for this sermon. You're about to receive text-driven preaching. My prayer is that God speaks to you through this time as you listen to this message. So enjoy, and God bless. I want to invite you to uh, open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11 is where we will spend our time uh, together today as we continue our series entitled Church on the Move. Uh, we have been working our way steadily uh, through the book of Acts with a detour or so, but uh, we have uh, now uh, come to uh, chapter 11 uh, in probably what is one of my favorite uh, sections of Scripture in all the Bible. And uh, so I hope you came ready today. We're going to have a good time. And uh, as we continue uh, to see God's power uh, at work uh, in the in the church, uh, we started on this journey because uh, ultimately, I believe that uh, being able to know our history, where we have come from, uh, is helpful for us to orient us in the present and to give us encouragement uh, for the days ahead, the future things uh, that we will face. And uh, throughout this book, uh, as we've worked through the book of Acts, we've seen God do some significant and tremendous things. Uh, we saw the uh, birth of the church uh, in uh, the very beginning. Uh, the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, which happens to be today. We celebrate today is the day of Pentecost. And so he preached. Uh, and hopefully we'll see what happened. 3,000 saved and we get on fire up here and roll out. That'd be great, too. But uh, he preached on the day of Pentecost, birth of the church. And uh, we see... Uh, that from that movement, uh, God began to continue to work in the city of Jerusalem through the apostles. And there are many lives changed and impacted. Uh, we saw some difficulties that the apostles would face. Uh, they were beaten for their faith. Uh, if you remember, Stephen was killed for his faith and uh, they were imprisoned. And, uh, and so we have seen some challenges. We have had the opportunity to see God work significantly in uh, individuals' lives and through individuals' lives, whether it's uh, Philip who, who preached and shared the word uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch or whether it was in Samaria and uh, seeing lives changed or whenever we were introduced to Cornelius or how about Saul, uh, the one who was persecuting the church. And so throughout the book, we have had an opportunity to see God uh, do some significant things to show his strength and his power. And uh, today we're going to have the opportunity, I believe, to take a look at uh, a church, a church that's in Antioch, a church that, uh, Lord willing, uh, we would be a model after, that uh, many things that we can learn uh, from the church uh, in Antioch. As the gospel has moved from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth, we are now in this fourth movement, the fourth section in which Christ said the gospel was going to move. And in this uh, we will see, I believe, some very important things, three specifically, three things that will help us, I believe, in the days in which we live to be able uh, to see God work and move. You know, the title of the message today is uh, cultural engagement, cultural engagement. And I just wanted to throw out a quick question before we jump into the passage. You know, how, how best do we engage with the culture around us? Uh, specifically, we live in America. We live in the South in America. We live in Arkansas and uh, specifically here in Jonesboro. How, how in the world uh, are we to engage the lives around us? And uh, I'm so glad y'all asked that question. 
uh, because uh, for, for the next several moments, we are going to unpack the answer to that. And I just want to give it to you on the front end uh, that I, I believe that we ultimately we engage the culture around us. And we're going to see Antioch right here as a model. But number one, we do it uh, by personal evangelism. Uh, personally, we, we take on the role that we all individually uh, have a role in seeing Christ made known to those who do not know him. That it's not the job uh, of the preacher to be able to share and preach, although I'm, I assure you, I'm, I would love to do that. I'm up for the task. I believe God's called me. But collectively, we must do it individually, personally. The second thing we're going to see is that we have to be serious about discipleship. We have to engage in intentional uh, discipleship that uh, Christ did not call us to just make converts. He called us to make disciples. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the dynamics of what the difference is uh, and how we uh, see God working. Uh, and then in the last uh, movement, we're going to see that we have to be willing to engage uh, in helping with social needs, that uh, this world around us is filled, dripping with needs. Uh, and, and we have to be willing to get into those spaces and places uh, to be able to affect uh, lives. And uh, many times I find that uh, God will allow or uh, allow a difficulty in a place, in a city, in a life to give us an opportunity to be able to fill in the space uh, with his word, with who he is, and see lives impacted and transformed. And so uh, that is the trajectory of where we will be headed. Uh, before we get there, though, can I just give you a little bit of information about Antioch? Uh, Antioch, uh, Syria, uh, is just to get us oriented, uh, was a wealthy, wealthy place. Uh, it was a place that had not only a lot of commerce uh, because of its position uh, in the Middle East. Uh, you would have a lot of commerce coming from Africa on into Asia, North Africa, down into the uh, Arabian Peninsula. And so this area was a very wealthy area. It was also multicultural. Uh, because of the connection to Europe as well. Uh, you had people from all different backgrounds in this city, so it was a very multicultural area, very wealthy area. It also had a military base there. Uh, it, it was the third largest city in the, in the empire. It uh, had uh, half a million people. Can you imagine that? Think about that back in the day, half a million people. A uh, country would come to the city if we moved from Jonesboro to Antioch. And so, uh, you know, it's a bustling City. It was a very uh, religious city for all respects. And when I say religious, I mean superstitious idolatry. It was filled in that city when you have so many people coming from so many different backgrounds. They were bringing in their different deities and different ways of thinking about life and philosophies. And so it was an area that was was full of different religious expression. And so I believe before us, we have uh, the answer for how we are to uh, engage in an area that is multicultural, has a dynamic uh, in terms of commerce, religious expression, military presence. And uh, I just like to say that I think this is a fantastic place to plant a church. You see, underneath all of that was a very sinister or difficult uh, place to live in, in many times because of the uh, immorality and the sin that would be found there. But can I tell you, I feel like God uh, is going to take Antioch and it's going to be the post that God establishes to reach out to hit the remotest parts of the earth. And so I hope you've had an opportunity uh, to find Acts chapter 11. 
Uh, I'm going to read our first movement, which is going to be verses 19 through 21. We're going to get all the way down through 30 today, Lord willing. And uh, so let's just look at this first movement together. Acts 11:19 says this. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. I don't know about you, but that right there is a great way to start a text. That um, if you remember way, way back in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, uh, we were brought into the realization that uh, because of Stephen's death, uh, he was uh, stoned to death, that the believers that were in Jerusalem, uh, it pushed them out and they began to move, uh, move out. Uh, it shook them up. And we, we see that uh, what's happening here uh, is that believers were continually expanding where they were setting up residence after they ran into that difficulty, uh, that hostility in Jerusalem. And uh, the, the core of what I want us to see in this first movement is the foundation that was set, the mindset of the people, and that it's important for us to do what God blesses. You see, when I think about this expression of what was happening, the persecution, it pushed the people out. Sometimes God has to allow difficult circumstances in our lives to get us to move to a place where he desires to use us. And I can't tell you that it's always exciting. I can't tell you that we always enjoy it. But there is a grace in which God works in our lives that many times he will allow persecution or difficulty to be able to get us to a place where he is desiring to use us. Uh, can, I, can I illustrate it this way? Anybody get breakfast this morning? Anybody get breakfast this morning? Let me see. Everybody like, no, that's why we, you know, need to get that Connection Cafe rolling again. We're excited you got that going. Okay. Not too many breakfast lovers in the room. But uh, when I think about breakfast, I think specifically about a beverage for breakfast, and that's orange juice. And if you've ever been to a restaurant sometimes or you're going to pick it up and they have the little bottles of orange juice, you know, sometimes when you pick that bottle up and you turn it over, you can see kind of a film, a residue on the bottom. And so what do you have to do to get that film residue? Some of you are like, I'm not drinking that juice if it's got a residue. I, I'm through with that. But it'll have a film. Remember, you, you, we shake it up, right? We shake it up. And we shake it up so that way it will now be dispersed throughout that, that entire container. So that way you can get whether or not you like pulp or you don't like it. You can get it at a, at a steady clip. It'll be balanced. And what I find is that God sometimes will, will shake our lives when things settle. He'll shake our lives and to allow it to move throughout. So thus now it'll be consistent and he can work and move in our life. And this is what was happening to the believers as they were moving throughout the world, sharing the good news. You see. When they get to these areas, and I'll just tell you, you know, Cyprus, an island. We got Antioch, I told you, Syria. And then you saw Cyrene, that's North Africa. And so as they come into to, to Antioch, 
the Bible tells us some important information about them. It says in verse 19 that they were speaking the word. That's important. Did you see the content of their communication? The content of their communication in the midst of their struggle was that they were speaking the word. There's a lot of things we can talk about, but can I tell you there's none more profitable than speaking the word. We have to be willing to speak the word even in the midst of our trouble, even in the midst of our difficulty, even in the midst of our hardship. We must speak the word. Now, the text tells us they were only doing this to the to, to the Jews alone. They were not sharing this with the Gentiles. Now, before we get too hard on them, can I just offer up maybe a reason why they were just dealing with the Jews alone? Well, because I believe that many of these were, were Jewish individuals. And so whenever they came into this area, uh, they were connecting with family. They were connecting with friends. They were connecting with associates, people that they had already knew. And so because at, in this day, the separation between Jew and Gentile was so strong that initially that first movement was they were sharing with the Jews. Now, we're going to see that it can't stay there. But ultimately, that, that's where we see this uh, begin uh, to happen. But did you see in verse 20, there were some brothers unnamed. We talked about the unnamed people of the Bible, how God used them, that they had something else in mind, that God wanted to use them to do something else. And did you notice it says it says there were some men unnamed, Cyprus and Cyrene, who they came to Antioch. And notice this, they began speaking to the Greeks also preaching who? The Lord Jesus. Everybody catch that? Just so y'all know, this is fascinating. This is the movement where we see this gospel is starting to move out and it's starting to catch the remotest parts, the people here. This is revolutionary. And we're going to see that this is going to be the prototype movement from this moment until I'm standing today proclaiming the gospel. And we see that that they were willing to, to preach the word. Can I tell you, they were willing to kind of push back against some of the cultural norms and push back against some of the things of the day. And they were willing to take the truth of who Jesus was and be able to, to give it and to be able to share it with people who, who normally would not have been able to be connected with. What I love about these unnamed individuals, and we're going to talk about this for, for a minute in a minute, but is that they were willing to push the envelope when it came to sharing the word. You know, how many of you know? That in the days in which we live, the message of the gospel does not change. The content of the gospel will never change. Life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I like to add in at a return because he's going to come get us and he's going to be ruling and reigning from here. That's never going to change. But now how we get that message to people, how we get that message to, to the, the world around us, it might shift and, and, and have some subtlety to it. I'm just trying to set us up because we're getting ready to have some engagement in our community. And I know some of y'all are going to be surprised at kind of some of the tactics and methods that we use. You're going to roll up and we're going to be having a, 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 an outreach event and you're going to hear rap music playing. You're going to be like, what is going on? As a matter of fact, can we just play a little bit? Can we just kind of set the tone here for a minute? Yeah. Can I do that? Just. Oh, yes. Me hold Nothing but the blood. Yeah, y'all hear what he's saying? Just listen. Oh, precious is the, that makes me white as snow. Oh, my goodness. Nothing but the blood. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, DJ. Thank you, DJ. Thank you, DJ. I just need to set the tone in here because it might shock you. You're like, what is going on here? But did you hear the word? Did that sound for me? Anybody grow up with that song growing up? Yeah. Oh, precious is the blood. What can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That happens to be my favorite song, by the way. 
But I just want you to know that there are ways in which we can reach, ways in which we can connect, that sometimes it might push it just a little bit. Listen, we are not going to change the content of the gospel. But what I love about these unnamed individuals, they were willing to step outside and to connect with the world where they could understand. Notice it says they connect them to the Lord Jesus. That, that's what it's going to be about whenever we get out of these walls. I'm just telling you, that's who we're about. We're going to be about sharing his message. Everybody awake, we're ready now. Y'all said, man, and play the music. We're ready to roll. You see, we have to be willing to be able to reach out. And can I just tell you, there are going to be things inside of us at every turn. We want to we want to hold on to certain things because we know when we start reaching a certain demographic of people, different nations, different languages, different backgrounds, economic backgrounds. When they come up in here, it might be different for a little bit. They might have a different taste in music or they might have a different way of thinking about things. But can I tell you, we, we have to be faithful to keep moving. This is a great example for us. We, we can't just stay in our safe shelters any longer and thinking that, listen, the world going to come out and taint us. Christ is too good. The blood is too strong. They are not going to taint the work of Christ. And we have to be willing to take it to them. We got one. We're going to warm up. We just coming. We're coming. Hang with me. Notice these individuals were unknown. Did you, did you catch it? It says verse 20, but there were some of them. Everybody see that? Didn't even go to, didn't even put the names down. We might be offended. Like, you, you know who we were. You didn't want to put a brother down. I couldn't be put in scripture. All that. You didn't want to put me in. But I love this example here because in our day, I just find that people think that, you know, we got this celebrity Christianity. And we think that, you know, the more you're well known, the, the more important you are. That is not how this works in the kingdom. We, we must do a good job of knowing the difference between popularity and significance. Can I tell you, something cannot be popular and still be significant. Somebody cannot be popular and still be significant. Some, somebody cannot be well known and still have a significant role in the kingdom of God. And I know many times I'm the mouthpiece, I'm out front, but I'm just telling you right here, many and the majority of what goes on here has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God and who is working behind the scenes. Folks out in the trailer right now, you haven't seen them. They got here early in the morning. They're making sure all this is working, having all these things. There are so many things that are happening that happen behind the scenes. I just want to continue to, to, to help, help you understand that it's not about being known or popular. It's about understanding the significance of the Spirit of God dwelling in us and working through us and allowing him to have his way. Let, let us not think that just because someone is popular, something is popular, that is automatically significant because that is not true. These individuals, these individuals, unnamed, we don't know them. But can I tell you, they established, they set the seeds of the gospel to be able to see this church come about in Antioch. Can I just personally tell you a little bit about Word Baptist Church? I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but behind me on this baptistry, you just need to check it out. There's a little gold plaque in the bottom corner. It's got a name on there. Summer's Little. I never met him, but I heard about him. That before that building was over there in 1994, before I was ever even saved, barely even alive, Summer's Little, a, a man, he was coming into this community and he was sharing the gospel, going door to door, sowing the seeds of the gospel in Walker Court, which that ultimately, the work there ultimately led a Sunday school class from Central to come and go to that apartment complex over there and begin to meet in that, in that area. They began to meet as a Sunday school class. Then that became a church, church that was called In His Steps. Many of us have no idea about that, but that's why that, if you ever wonder, why does that building look like a church? Well, because that's what it was. That's where they met. 
1994, it was built right there. They began to do work in this community. So what I'm telling you is that the work that we do now has been seeded for many, many years in prayer, in outreach. We are on the shoulders of some spiritual giants. So recognize we are not alone. We are getting a chance to reap the harvest. But I'm hoping also we are planting seeds behind us so that our babies and our babies' babies and however long Jesus Christ leaves us here, they will continue to be able to see the harvest as well. That, that's how this church, the foundation. We see the foundation was a gospel. We see the mindset. But understand also, they were doing what God was blessing. Did you see it in verse 21? It says this, and the hand of the Lord was with them. I don't know if there is a more important phrase in all of Scripture. Because can I tell you, if we are not careful, we can get out here and start doing things on our own. But the goal is not for us to do things and ask God to bless what we do. The goal is to do what God blesses. Can I tell you, his hand is going to be, if we do what he blesses, I promise you, his hand will be with us. His hand will guide us and we will see him work and move. Can I give you a supplemental real quick? Y'all don't seem too disagreeable. Y'all waiting for another song to drop. I might have to do that again. Philippians 2.13 says this. Philippians 2.13. For it is who? God. Y'all aren't ready. Let's just back up. For it is God who is at work in you. Everybody see that? It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for who? His good pleasure. It's all about him. Always has been, always will be. And ultimately what he is desiring to do is he's desiring to take flawed, sinful human beings who come into a relationship with him whose, whose record has been wiped clean and he wants to put us in a work release program. He didn't got us out and he wants to put us in a program where now our lives can be used for him to see lives change. He is working in us and he is working through us and it is for his good pleasure. So we got to be willing to keep our eyes on him. Not only do we see that they were engaged in personal evangelism. They, they, they were sharing the word. The word tells us that they, they were sharing the Lord Jesus. But guess what? Discipleship was important to them as well because Christ didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. I want us to look at this movement, verses 22 through 26. You ready? It says this. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The second thing I want us to see uh, is that we have to be serious about discipleship. That's one of the things you're going to catch uh, as we look at this movement. The, the, the way in which the church was, was encouraged and, and the way in which they were growing. Uh, if you're taking notes, let me just give it to you. We're going to see, number one, the, the importance of being exposed to mature believers. Number two, we're going to see the character of those who would be disciples. What, what, what should we be looking for in a disciple? What should we be looking for in ourselves as we seek to help people mature uh, and to grow? All right. 
So let's just look at it. In verse 22, it says the news about them reached the ears of the church. I love that right there. It says the ears of the church, not the ears of the individual, but the whole body, the ears. They said, did you hear what's going on in Antioch? Did you hear about what's happening? And did you notice what the church in Jerusalem does? They sent our good old friend Barnabas. Y'all know our boy Barney. Oh, Joseph. You might know him government name. Joseph. Hey, oh, Joe. All right. They sent him to go check out what was going on. And whenever he goes, I just want you to catch the dynamics here. Then we're just going to unpack this thing and preach for a minute. He, he's, he goes, he witnesses, he's excited about it. And then he gives them encouragement to remain, to remain true to the Lord. Now, just to unpack this a, a bit, uh, it's important that we have uh, exposure to mature believers. We, we want to make sure we have what I like to call the seasoned saints in the church. Now, I know sometimes the seasoned saints and the new saints can struggle with each other a little bit because maybe the seasoned saints like the music a little quieter and the new saints like it a little louder. Or the seasoned saints like certain songs where they can open up the book and sing hymns, turn to number 52. And the new saints want it loud and clanging and these new songs that don't nobody know the words to. And sometimes that can be this, this, this strain, this struggle. But what I love here, though, is that this is telling us the importance of us all being together as a family. Now, can I just keep it real with you for a minute? Babies in Christ can be difficult to deal with. Whoa, it can be difficult to deal with. Just like, you know, babies when you have them. I think about my children in particular. You know, they were cute. and We loved them. But man, I'm going to just tell you, they can make a mess like nobody's business. When you're trying to feed them. I, I remember the days when the high chair would be at the table and we're trying to feed. And by the time we get finished, we look around. I'm like, did you get any food in you? Did, did, did anything get in there? And then whenever you try to help them, especially my son, my daughter, not so much. But when I try to feed them something, that little buster had them two teeth. You know, they come in the top. Then the bottom ones, he would try to get you. Ooh, if you didn't get out of there, he'd get you right on that cute, right there. Hurt like, woo, terrible. And so what I'm saying to you is there's a lot that I find similar between babies and new believers. Listen, they are messy and they will bite you if you don't get your finger out of there. They will bite you if you're not careful. But the, but the goal is that we will be exposed to one another, that we will be together. And so we see right here in the text, the text, it says Barnabas, he came down and uh, he spent time with these new believers. Let, let me just give us some practical things from the way in which he related to them. Number one, did you notice it says about him that uh, he witnessed the grace of God? Everybody notice that? He, he went beyond just the surface level of hearing to actually going in and having a, 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 a relationship, a connection with them. You see, I believe what we have to begin to do in the church is understand that we can have a, have a relationship from a distance. But I believe what God is calling us to do is to come close to one another and be able to have a close relationship where we can witness and see what is happening. The grace of God is, that's happening in each other's lives. You see, the how in all of this is the Lord's hand was with them, but it's also the grace of God. And so we want to get close. We don't want to just stay at a distance away from each other and, and you know, live messages back and forth and just here, here, here. But we want to get in each other's lives so we can see God's grace at work. And that's what he does. He, 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 he goes and he sees the grace of God. But then did you notice the second thing that happened? I love this piece. It says this. He rejoiced. He rejoiced. Everybody catch that? He was excited about what was going on. You know, sometimes, and I don't mean to be rude or harsh here, but 
I, I just believe that the body of Christ, the church in particular, we need to rejoice more. We need to be a little bit more excited about what God is doing. You know, sometimes in some churches, laughter and excitement break out about what God's doing. I'm like, what is going on here? Be afraid. But can I tell you, to be able to hear and to know that somebody's life has been changed and transformed, their eternity with Christ has been sealed and set. I don't know about any other good news. Y'all know any other good news? Make sure we should rejoice in that. We see that that's what he does. And I'm just saying to you, we got to find a way to be happy about what the Lord is doing. Now, I understand that many times whenever the Lord is doing good things, whenever he's changing lives, sometimes it comes with a little challenge and difficulty. But that's all right. He's faithful even in the midst of that. But we have to be willing to rejoice. So not only get in each other's lives, but we have to be happy and be excited about what God is doing in other people's lives. We have to be excited about what God is doing in other churches. How many of you know that Word Baptist Church is not the only church that God is working in in this world? All over the world he is working. And we have to figure out a way to be excited about what God is doing. Y'all with me? Not only that, though, but he also encouraged them. Did you catch it? In, in uh, verse 23 at the back end, he, it says this, he rejoiced and began to encourage them, encourage them all with resolute heart. Notice this, to remain true to the Lord. Everybody catch that? I love this piece right here because there's a lot of things that he could have encouraged them to do. Barnabas coming from Jerusalem as a Jewish man coming into this Gentile place, this new city. He could have made a fuss about how they were dressed. He could have made a fuss about what they were listening to. He could have made a fuss about the hair styles that they had on. He could have made a fuss about the types of food that they were eating. But did you notice what he said, what it says he did? How did he encourage them? He encouraged them to do what? To remain true to who? The Lord. Can I just tell you that whenever you encourage people to remain true to the Lord, meaning to allow the Lord to be the one who directs their life, let me tell you what happens. God begins to work and he he allows people to think about how they live their lives, how they dress, what they look like, where they go, what they do. But whenever we come in immediately and we start trying to change all these things, then we bring in legalism with all of that. And we think it's attached to God's love for you. Notice he he is connecting them to Jesus. Many times, if we are not careful, we will take the same convictions that God has been working out in our lives over decades, decades, and we start trying to press them on new believers. And you know what they say? I don't have nothing to do with that. Instead of, instead of pushing them, pushing them to the word, pushing them to Jesus, pushing them to the word, pushing them to Jesus. I remember a, 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 in a time in particular in my life, I'm going to give you a good example and a bad example. We'll start with the bad. We'll, we'll go with the good example first. There was a young man. Uh, in, in the life of our church, and uh, he was a young believer, new, new believer, and uh, he rolled up to, to church. We were going to be serving together, going door to door, and he rolled up in a uh, Purple Rain shirt with prints on the front of that thing with a motorcycle. Purple Rain. I said, well, look at that. Pur- purple Rain. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I probably wouldn't wear that shirt, you know, especially I'm going door to door. You know, saying I'm with the church. I probably would not wear that shirt. Now, Prince was bad. Now, that's a bad man. Now, musician, the Lord gifted that brother. That's the time for a whole other day. But I just think about the dynamics, right? Could have came down hard on him. Be like, you can't go out. What up wearing that shirt? You can't do that. You can't go out. Uh-uh. But I decided, I said, you know, you, you got your shirt on Purple Rain shirt. Uh, you, 
You know what that is? <laughs> That's just one quick question. What, you, 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 know, you know who that is, what that is? He said, nah, I just like the shirt. Thought it looked cool. Oh, it's cool. It's a cool shirt. Yeah. You might want to just check it out. See, uh, see, see what it is, what it's all about. Several months later, not days, not weeks, several months later, that individual, he came to me and he said, hey, I just want to thank you for doing what you handled that you didn't, you know, come down on me. That probably wasn't the best shirt to be wearing out in, you know, in, in the public and uh, around families and such. And I said, no, no big deal. No big deal. And so I think the way in which we communicate, that's the good example. Let me let me give you a, a bad example. I can remember uh, we were in Texas and uh, right before we moved here and God had uh, given us an opportunity to work among uh, some youth that uh, were unchurched. They were unchurched, and um, and they had a had a Catholic background. And we we began to study. We would pick them up. I say we, my wife and I, we would pick them up. We would take them to church, and uh, they began asking questions. And this young, young at the time, uh, mid twenties, uh, in seminary, got all the theological arguments ready to go, ready to shoot, boom, about why you shouldn't be what you are, and all of such. And I remember uh, a specific conversation. About, about Peter and about the Pope and about all those things. And I came in guns ablaze. And I'm just telling you, I could have put on a clinic up in there about why. And I just remember uh, when we dropped those kids off back at the house uh, and they shared with their parents, uh, they would not let them come back with us anymore to the church. And, and while I believe what I shared was true, and I would not change necessarily the content of what I shared, uh, the way in which I shared it, and uh, how and which, uh, the way in which I went about it, I would change that. Uh, because I... I believe we missed an opportunity to continue to be able to invest. Obviously, I believe God is sovereign and working and moving. But I just want to tell you, it matters how we connect and how we work. And I love that right here, Barnabas, in his work, it says that he encouraged them to, to remain true to the Lord, to remain true to the Lord. Now, one of the things that is important is not only... Uh, how we go about this mission, but who goes about the mission. And in this, in this next movement, in this section, I just want to talk a little bit about the who. And can I just tell you, men, if ever there was a way in which you wanted to be described in the world, I, I think verse 24 is a verse that we would, we would all say, God, I wish this would be my life. It says this, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Now, sisters, you can take that too, just because it's talking about Barnabas don't mean, but I think even sisters, when you think about your life, when, when you come to the end and when you come and you stand before Jesus Christ on that day, day of judgment, not whether or not you go to heaven or hell, but when he's looking at the way in which you lived your life, I wish for each and every one of us that this is what he says to us. He's here looking. He'll say, listen, you are a good man. You are full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and considerable numbers came through your life. Can you imagine on that day what they would be like? Hallelujah. Shouting, breaking off up in that thing. I don't know. I feel like there will be some shouting in heaven on that day whenever you get your rewards. But that's the topic for another day. But I want to highlight these specific things. Number one, the Bible says he was a good man. So when we think about our role as disciples, when we think about our role in this world, let me just give it to you this way. Number one, 
we need to be good men. And what that means is we need to be righteous. So, so we have a standing with Jesus that makes us righteous. We are right in his sight. We have a relationship with him. But there's another part that's separate from the imputed or the given righteousness of Christ. We now live righteously. We take our lives and we pattern them after the word of God, the things that God has told us. And we, we don't do this to gain favor with him. We already have it. We do this because we already have it. We live as good men in this world above reproach. I like to say it like this, this idea of above reproach. That means in a mudslinging contest, if you get hit with the mud, because let me just tell you, people are going to always be saying stuff about you, whether it's true or not. You get hit with the mud, it just slides right on off you. That, that, that's the, the, the picture here. And when we see this, it says he was a, he was a good man. But also, also, it meant that his life, it, it matched up what he said and how he lived. It matched up. We got some new folks in the Word Baptist Church, so we're going we're gonna to help them. They don't know this. Word Baptist Church, how many tongues do we have? How many tongues do we have? Word Baptist. On three, let's say it loud. One, two, three. Three. Now, I know for our new folks, like, we had the wrong church, baby. We got to get out of here. I don't know what they're talking about in here. Here at Word, we believe you got three tongues, one in your mouth. And then you got two feet, right? So you got one right here, this tongue right here, and this one over here, this tongue right here. And what it means about Barnabas is that the one right here, the things that he said, the things that he said were important to him, you could look at how he lived his life because these right here matched up with what this one was saying. And we have to be careful that we don't unsay with our lives these down here what we say with our lips. And so when we think about being good men, it means that people can hear what we say and they can watch how we live and it's going to point them to Jesus. All the while, we understand we're not perfect, but that's not an excuse not to pursue him. He was a good man. Not only was he a good man, though, but did you catch it? The, the way in which I believe here's the horsepower. This is how he was able to live that life. You ready for it? He was full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody see that? That's the horsepower. That's the power in his life. That means he was controlled by the spirit of God. That whenever you looked at his life, that he was not controlled by circumstances, controlled by all those things. He was controlled by the spirit of God. That, that means that, that he was yielding himself to the spirit of God. That whenever you look at Barnabas's life, it wasn't that he needed more of God. It was that he was continuing to submit more of himself to God in circumstances, in mindset, in thinking. He was controlled by God. Every single one of us going to be controlled by someone or something. Might as well be the one who made you. Might as well be the one who is seeking to live inside of you. You see, what we recognize is, is that it's a combination of integrity and ability. That, that Christ is working and moving as a great witness. Not only that, though. Did you catch it? He says, and faith. Everybody catch that? Let me just talk briefly about faith. This is important. This is obedience, obedience. Now, I like to use this phrase when I think about faith. You can see it in Hebrews 11, but this, this is the outworking that faith is obeying in spite of the feelings inside, the circumstances around, or the consequences ahead. Like, that's when we think about faith. Warren Wiersbe says it this way, the faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And it says of, of Obama that he, he was a man, he was a man of faith. But he was also, also a man who believed that instruction was valuable. I want you to look with me in this next movement. He went and he got Paul in verse, in verse 25. 
it says that he didn't try to hog all of this to himself. He, he knew he needed help. And so he went and he got uh, Saul. Saul, his name hadn't changed yet. So he went and got Saul, the same Saul who was persecuting the church. He went and he got him. And the Bible says that he brought him back to Antioch. And how long did they stay there and teach the people? What does the text say in verse 26? An entire year. Everybody catch that? That's, a, that's fascinating now. They didn't just pop in and pop out. For a whole year, they were teaching these believers the truth of the gospel about Jesus, about how to follow, how to serve. They were instructing them. You, you see, I, I find that it's important that we connect with each other in these three ways. We got to make sure we get the heart. We got to make sure we get the head. And we got to make sure we get the hands. And right here, we see them dealing with the, with, the, with the intellect piece. The heart was changed in salvation, the grace of God. Now they're getting into the intellect, the mindset of how they think and operate. In this back end, we're going to see here in just a moment, they're going to engage the hands. But we want to have a steady diet of having our heart, our head, and our hands engaged for the king and for his kingdom. It says they were there for a whole year. Humbly together they were serving. Can I just give it to you this way? When it comes to our growth in Christ, we have to be patient and persistent. If you're taking notes, just jot it down. We have to be patient and persistent. You see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that in the days in which we live, we want things immediately, immediately. We want it right now. We wanted it yesterday. Why is it not here? Preacher, matter of fact, you should have been done about 10 minutes ago. Just so you know, I got a whole nother point to go. So hang on, hang tight. But, but I'm finding that in our culture that, that we want things immediately. We want change immediately. We want things to happen. When you think about fast food, for example, you ever had to wait in the line at the fast food, maybe wait five minutes, you're like, this is not fast food. This is slow food. You need to change your name. Yeah. And can I tell you what began to happen in my life was I went on a, on a mission trip to a place where there are no fast food restaurants, and I had to watch the men go out and cut down the trees, and then the sisters come in and cut the trees down and a little bit smaller, and then they made a fire, and then they put the pot on, and it took hours to be able to cook. And I said, you know what? I will not complain. No more. I will not complain another time when I'm sitting in the line for five minutes waiting on my burrito. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And what I'm saying is, is that many times when we think about what's going on here, we are impatient. We are impatient with the growth that God has us, the, the, the process that he has us on. And we, we keep trying to move it, but God is working. Because can I tell you, he sits outside. So he got all of eternity to continue to shape you into who he's desiring you to be. And so we get impatient with the process of him working and moving, but we have to be patient and persistent to pick up the word, to pray, to allow it to work in our lives and to allow it to sink deep into our hearts and our souls. We keep coming back to that word. We keep coming back to him in prayer and letting him keep moving us and shaping us and growing us for an entire year. This is the apostle Saul, who will later become Paul. Half the New Testament, brother, it took him a year to be able to get folks right. You think, you think we're going to be able to just have this miracle growth plan for, yeah, just come one day a week. We'll get you taken care of. Does that sound like that's going to work? Uh, no, you ain't going to have the growth you desire. We have to be willing to be patient, but we also have to be willing to be persistent. Persistent to come and to not be discouraged. If you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. We'll look at one more point, and then I'll close with my last point. Colossians 1, 28 says this. We proclaim him, talking about our Lord. Notice this now. Y'all ready for it? Admonishing how many men? Every man. And teaching how many? Every man. With all wisdom. Why, why, we do, why do we do this? So that we may present every man, what? Complete in Christ. 
meaning mature in Christ. That's what this is all about. It's, it, it's all about being mature in Christ. The last thing I want us to see in this point is, did you notice this little historical note that happened in verse 26? Did everybody see that? Where, where did this term Christian come from, right? It's a made up term. It's not even in the Bible. I can't tell you how many people have told me when I'm trying to share with them, that, that Christian ain't even in the Bible. Oh, it's not. Verse 26, y'all ready for it? He found him. He brought him to Antioch. For an entire year, they met with the church. They taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called what? Christians where? In Antioch. Now, what's fascinating about this call of Christians is it wasn't like the disciples said, you know, we need to come with up with the name. What's, what's the name? I said, what's the name? What's a good name for us? You know, we need to be the Christians. That's not how this worked. Okay. They didn't name themselves. The, the culture outside of them named them. The reason why is because the content of who they talked about and the purpose for why they live was Christ. So thus they said, these are Christians, little Christs. They, they were so focused on Christ that the world outside, they saw the difference. They understood the purpose of who, who they live for. And so now you see the name. They didn't come with this name on their own. It was given to them from the outsiders. So can I tell you, can I just real quick encourage you, don't be afraid to be different. We are a peculiar people already. People should know there's something different about us just when we walk in the room, how we walk in the room, how we look, how we talk, how we think that it should match up with Jesus, that, that we are a little Christ. We are modeling our Lord so thus we can point them to him because it's never about us. It's always been about him. What I also love is that they were not trying to blend in with the world around them in Antioch. They didn't mind that they lived differently. Can I ask you a question? Are you concerned that Christ has called us to live differently in this world? Everybody we know that's a, a connected to this world system is in darkness. We sang about it earlier. They're connected in that darkness. And so what, what Christ is doing is I believe he has brought us here for us to be different. Now, I'm not saying that we sit back and we look down all high and holy and we frowning up and looking down on people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the midst of the same things that we go through as, as everybody else in daily life. We are pointing them to Jesus by the way in which we respond, by the way in which we pray, by the way in which we encourage. When you show up to your job, do people say, oh, here you come again? Or whenever they see your, your name show up on the phone, whenever you call, do they, do they say, oh, I don't know. We're going to send that thing to voice me. Yeah, yeah, send that. Thank you. How, how are we received? How do people think about us? Do they see us as little Christ modeling him? Because they're going to have an assessment and an opinion. We might as well go ahead and live for the Lord anyways. Y'all might have quieted here. Let me go and finish up. Third, engage in uh, meeting social needs. Verses 27 and 30. Verses 27 through 30 says this. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus, boy, his mom and daddy, Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And uh, this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. Everybody catch that? So the last thing I want us to see 
is that uh, we have to be willing to engage in social needs to be able to allow the word an opportunity to pierce and to be able to permeate down into the struggles of individuals. The text specifically tells us there was a prophet. Now you can have in the office of prophet, you can have one who foretells, that means tells of something that has not happened, that's going to happen. Or you can have somebody who foretells, meaning they tell what has already happened. What I'm doing right now, I'm foretelling. I'm telling what has already happened. But you see two sides in the office of prophet. Now in here, Brother Agabus, my guy, he tells them, listen, there's going to be a great famine. Now what I love about this piece here is that when you think about prophecy when you know the future the result of knowing the future is not so you can write a book and become famous the result of knowing what is going to happen in the future is to determine live in the present when you know what is getting ready to happen in a year 10 years when you pick up this bible still many prophecies yet to be fulfilled it's not for us to just pontificate and ask what do you think when you think jesus is gonna come you pre-meal post triple what are you that's not what it's about when we know that a certain thing is going to happen in the future it's to give us the information so we can begin to shuffle and assess in the present to be able to get ready for when that time comes and that is exactly what they did he was told that there's going to be a famine so you know what they didn't say i wonder what day is going to come i wonder if it's going to be pre or post it's going to be halfway when it's going to come no what did they do? They started collecting money, okay, right then and there because they believed what was going to happen. I'm just telling you in our Bible right here, there are so many things that God says going to happen. Just pick up the last book if you want to know what's all going to happen, okay? There are many things that are going to happen. It's not for us to be arguing and going on about. It's for us to prepare right now, to get together right now and to reach families, to reach lives, see people change, transform, encourage, help, to be able to see them sustained by the work of God. And understanding that they could not stop the famine from coming, but they could prepare for it. And as we think about that, I believe God is calling us, as we know what's happening, what will happen in the future, to prepare for it. Let me just say this. The Bible is very clear about what we need to do. Let me just give you Titus 3.14. Titus 3.14 says this. He writes all the stuff, great theology in Titus, but then he gets down to almost the last verse. And this is what he says. Y'all ready for it? Our people, talking about the church, our people must also learn to engage in what? Good deeds. To meet what? Pressing needs. Why? So that they will not be unfruitful. Like, like all around us, there are pressing needs. Can I give you a couple? Y'all don't seem too disagreeable, and then I'm, I'm closing for real. When I think about this idea of pressing needs, we're going to hear more about them in our meeting today as a church. But when I think about pressing needs, you know, our world around us, whenever a need happens or whenever a fear happens, they tend to hoard up. Uh, Y'all remember when the toilet paper was hard to find? Y'all remember, remember the day? Yeah, that's the world around us. Just here a little bit ago when everybody thought the gas was going to run out, what was, the, what was the typical move? We better get all of it, right? That the world around us, that's how they react. But I don't believe that's how God is calling us to react. Whenever there's a change or difficulty, I believe he is calling us to pull together, to connect together, to be able to distribute out what is needed. It's a different mindset. You better hang on. But we got to be willing to prepare to help others. And all around us, there are needs every day, every day, all around us. And we have to be mindful. They started with the church. Notice they helped with the brethren. We have to be able to help and love and encourage and strengthen each other in here because by our love for each other, the world out there will know that we belong to Jesus. But we got to have enough love in the tank to be able to see it go beyond just us in here, to be able to see lives transformed. I don't know about y'all, but our city is changing. Had babies finding dead bodies on Ray Street, 
young men getting shot in the streets. I, I don't know about y'all, but our city is changing, and I don't know if we see it or not. I don't know if we asleep at the wheel or not, but I'm looking in this room and I'm looking at all these people that love God, that have all these abilities that he has given them by being saved. He has all these abilities he's given you by your training. And I believe he wants us to take that and to influence it down into the culture to see lives saved and transformed. The question is, is will we be willing? I'm thinking about the fact that, 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 that these things have been brought to my attention. Let me just highlight just a couple. Number one. All these babies over the years uh, not being able to go to school and the education loss and the lapse that's going to happen right there. Who who you think going to be able to catch up with all that? Do you think on their own they're going to be able to get that done? No. And I can't think of a better place than churches. Churches dotted all over this city in many of these neighborhoods. Why not just open up a spot for tutoring, be able to help these families and these babies to be able to connect? We're going to have an opportunity. I encourage you to come hear about it. What what about what about not just the, the tutoring? I jot down a few other things. All the time, whenever it's uh, sports season, soccer and t-ball and the such, the city will send out an email and say, we need help with coaches, right? We need help. Now, I know you might think, I want a root canal more than I want to go run around with four-year-olds out there. I, 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 I understand. Trust me. <laughs> but let me tell you, on Saturdays and on Mondays, listen to me, these parents, they're not bringing their babies in here. They're not coming here. So guess what we can do? We can go to them there and we can share and we can encourage and we can love and we can pray and we can support and we can encourage. And here's what I just don't know if y'all know this, but whenever I go, I don't tell anybody what I do. I, sh- I don't tell anybody who I am, what I do. That don't matter. OK, but what ha- begins to happen is these conversations. I did not know you. You a preacher. Well, yes, I sure am. <laughs> so glad you asked. Let's have a conversation. And it's amazing the relationships, the connections. All I'm saying to you is let us not miss it. Let's not miss it because I know we get too busy. We got too much going on in our lives and we think, well, I don't want to add another thing. Well, can I tell you, let's take an assessment of our life and begin to, to weed out some things and to be able to get the good things out, to be able to do the great things, the eternal things, the things that will impact lives forever and ever and ever because it is worth it. I got a whole bunch I can share, but I'm just going to be quiet and we're going to look at a passage of scripture. I think y'all read it. I done preached you read it. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding. In the work of the Lord. Why should we do that? Knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you. And God, I'm just thinking about our city, I'm thinking about our world. And I understand, Lord, it's last year was a very challenging year. Many of us had to make a lot of decisions about health and about safety. And uh, Lord, I, I will never judge anyone because of the decision that they made. They felt like you were leading them, Lord, I, I'm not the judge. Uh, Lord, all I'm, I'm asking though is that, Lord, we would assess it because the mission has not changed. You still, t- you still desire and are expecting us to make disciples of every nation. And Lord, every trip I've ever been on, every mission trip I've ever been on, every country I've ever been to, Lord, there was always a threat, always. There was always a threat of something. 
So, Lord, you, you have been able to sustain us. And so, God, I'm just praying that, Lord, right here in our city, I'm just thinking specifically about Jonesboro right now, right here in our city, God, there are many opportunities. Many opportunities. Lord, in our families, there are many opportunities. God, I pray you would help us. You would use us as the salt of the earth, the light of the world, to see lives impacted and changed. Well, I just think about all the, the brokenness that's around us that's crying out for you. And Lord, you said it. I didn't say it. You said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so, Lord, you told us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send laborers. And Lord, here we are. Here we are together, recognizing, Lord, there are so many men, women, boys, girls that do not know you. It's plentiful, God. And I'm just asking that, Lord, you would use us, that you would send us out. You would help us to be faithful. Lord, we can get caught up in the American dream. We can get caught up in doing our own thing. But, Lord, we got, we got to be kingdom people. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to do that. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here they don't know you, they've never given their life to you, Lord, I pray that right now, today, they would surrender and say, Lord Jesus, save me and use me to make an impact for your kingdom. That, Lord, they would understand the forgiveness and the grace that is available. Just like these individuals in Antioch, they understood, Lord Jesus, you save and you change and you make us right with you, Lord, that they would surrender. And, God, that you would get the glory from it. You would get the glory from it, Lord. Lord, I pray you would wake us up. Let us see as you see. As we go into this time of reflection and prayer, Lord, we are asking, this song says, turn it around, Lord. I pray you turn it around in my life and in my mind, the way I'm thinking that's not lining up with you. Turn it around in our church, in our city, in our nation, and in our world. Turn it around, God. We know that you've done it before, and we believe you'll do it again. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand with me? I hope God spoke to you during the message today. We want to know about it. You can fill out a connection card at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We want to help you through any spiritual questions you may have while you're on this journey. You see, we believe that the first step is for a person to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that the greatest need that humanity has is to be saved and that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. If you will agree with God, that you need him for the forgiveness of your sins and you will turn to him in repentance and believe in him, uh, you will be saved. The Bible says that you do this by one, believing that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead and that you believe that his payment is sufficient for you, that you will call out to him as Lord and Savior, he will save you. If you're listening to this service and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come and be our guest during the time of worship. We have multiple services. We would love to meet you personally and have you here for worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service times. If you've missed any sermons, they're all archived there online, so you can go back and watch them. You can connect with us on social media at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and continue the spread of the gospel, you can give online at wordbaptist.com give. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and I hope you've learned something that you can apply to your life, and we hope to see you again next time right here at Word Baptist Church.